0: Governor Holcomb changes his tune on the federal health care bill. An advertising attack in Indiana over the president's Supreme Court nominee. That plus a Donnelly town hall and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending March 24th, 2017.
1: Ice Miller is proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.
0: This week, Governor Eric Holcomb said he's backing the federal health care reform bill after he expressed concerns about the measure only last
1: week. From the Department
0: A week ago, Holcomb said he was concerned Department about the of repeal defense. of Obamacare's Medicaid expansion in the GOP's health care reform bill, the expansion dollars fund Indiana's HIP 2.0 program. Holcomb said he wanted all those currently receiving coverage to continue getting it. Now, he says recent changes to the bill, including one to give states more flexibility in how they spend Medicaid dollars, are fueling his support for the measure. The bill still eliminates HIP 2.0's funding in the future, but Holcomb says he wanted Congress to know he's willing to work on the reform effort. Are you surprised to see the Republican governor doing an about-face so quickly? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Mike Leppert, Republican Robert Vane. John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Katzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Indiana Public Broadcasting State House reporter Brandon Smith. Mike Leppert, a week ago there was unanimous agreement from this panel that Holcomb was showing bold leadership. What's he showing now?
2: Well, I was, was I here last week? No, yeah, you weren't yeah, here last week. I wasn't here week. either, so yeah. I guess there's two. Uh, that's the, right. The <laughs>
3: answer is <to> bold leadership. <laughs> bold
2: leadership. Uh, you know, he has been doing a, uh, a, a great job, actually. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with how he's done. This was the first... Uh, First mistake, and I'm going to label with a capital M mistake uh, of him coming out and, and switching switching directions. The the boldness that I think it took to come out and say uh, we need to keep the the funding to to fund our popular plan uh, that's been successful um, in the face of the federal health care plan was was bold. I mean, you got to give him credit for that. Uh, he should have stayed there. Uh, there wasn't any reason to leave there. And uh, the, the plan that's on the table in Congress right now is difficult for anyone to support, even though the bulk of the congressional delegation right now does support it. And so it's hard to see the benefit for, for him abandoning where he was. He was in the right spot and, and he, uh, he made a mistake. So it's obvious that there's a reason for that mistake. He probably got a phone call from someone we all know. I don't know that. Uh, but uh, he probably should have avoided that. And, and I think uh, I think he'll look back on that and wish he hadn't done it.
0: Holcomb talked about the changes that were made to the bill in mm-hmm. the past week uh, helping lead to this sort of turnaround of sorts. But the funding is still in jeopardy for HIP 2.0. Why change your
2: tune?
3: Well, if you define leadership as charging in in the unknown, I think he wins on both counts. The governors throughout this country are the ones, I believe, who are driving a lot of these changes. Just last October, Mark Dayton, Democrat governor of Minnesota, said the Affordable Care Act is no longer affordable. So that's what you're hearing from governors. HIP 2.0 is very successful. I'm sure he's been a part of the process both here and in Washington, D.C. I put my trust in Eric Holcomb.
0: What do you think is behind this sort of turnaround is its is
1: it that is it that trying to lead the governors I mean certainly there is some appeal to the notion of having a block grant uh put in your lap, so to speak, where you i mean states i think it's inherent they just they want make, that money they, but they, don't they want are this empowered system. we is can that, do it better yeah. than the fed so there there's that uh, that 's a, a storyline that sort of underpins all of this but but again I, it is a surprise because it 's not as if Eric Holcomb was out there alone. Most Republican governors had been very vocal. Asa Hutchinson in, in Arkansas, Governor Sanu, Governor oh, Seven of them yeah. signed the letter. I, oh, yeah, I mean, even yeah, look at our immediate letters, neighbors, yeah. John Kasich to the east, Governor Snyder to the north, uh, Governor of Illinois, all had said, this is a problem because of the curbing of Medicare spending. And what makes it particularly tough, it seems to me, and maybe what makes this turnaround is even more surprising. Keep in mind that Medicaid money is what has been the source of a lot of the anti uh, opiate uh, addiction services and so forth. That's been a, a sort of the, the core source of funding. And given the the very high profile challenges that Indiana and other uh, states have had uh, with uh, our well-documented, much publicized challenges uh, in the past couple of years with opioid addictions and and, and and I doubt that problem is going to go away yeah. with a snap of a finger. That we're going to have to be looking as a state for another source of uh, money to, to pay for those services. Holcomb stressed that
0: this is just a first, step. that the bill in Congress is just a first step and he, he wants to be part of the reform effort. Is that, is that the real answer here? Is he was in danger of getting let, left out of the
4: conversation? Mm, I don't think so. Consider that the, the, the vice president is on Capitol Hill breaking arms all week trying to get votes for the, afford, their, the new health care bill and it's his hip 2.0 that's being discussed here by the by his successor of the same party uh i'm guessing that um there was some friendly suggestion maybe that uh um you know the governor ought to rethink his position and, and maybe look at this a little bit differently Um, I can't imagine the vice president wants to hear from somebody in Congress that, well, your own governor says he doesn't like this. So, you know, it is difficult. It is also very early. Um, So, you know, look, he had a position last week. He's got a different position this week. And it looks bad, quote, unquote. Uh, But I think the real um, uh, the real outcome here will determine whether the governor um, looks good or bad at the end. He's got lots of time. Uh, to help put his imprint on this and get it in the way he hopes it will be best
1: and for And if Indiana. this blows up, it's not as if people are going to single out Eric Holcomb for, right. for blame. I mean, he's wrong for, for the ride.
0: For what it's worth, Eric Holcomb said Mike Pence did not ask him to support the bill. Doesn't mean somebody else didn't. But Or how do you define ask? Yeah, that's uh, true, too. <laughs>
3: and he also just spent he's the last several months sword. traveling 92 counties last few years. If anyone's yeah. probably got a good hand on the pulse of Hoosiers and what they want, it's Eric Holcomb.
0: National Republicans this week launched an attack against Joe Donnelly over President Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court. The Republican National Committee rolled out a six-figure ad buy in several battleground states, including Indiana, where Democrat Joe Donnelly is up for re-election in 2018. The subject of those ads? Pressing Democrats to support an up or down vote for Neil Gorsuch, the president's Supreme Court nominee. That comes as Gorsuch testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee this week. Senate Democratic leaders have indicated that Republicans will face a filibuster in their effort to confirm Gorsuch. The GOP needs 60 votes to break a filibuster. They have a 52-48 majority in the Senate. Robert Fain, after Republicans refused to even consider President Obama's nominee, does Joe Donnelly owe President Trump's nominee a vote? I don't know that he owes him
3: a vote. vote. I would say that if he's smart, he will vote for, for, uh, uh, for Gorsuch. I also believe that he will um, it's the politically smart thing to do, and it's the politically expedient thing to do, so I believe that Joe Donnelly will do so. I will say, though, that the threat of the filibuster is putting him in a particularly difficult position because now he's got to vote twice, and that makes it even tougher for him. Um, if I'm Mitch McConnell, I use the nuclear option cloture, vote it out, and move on to the next thing. Republicans don't owe the Democrats anything when it comes to Supreme Court nominations. They started this drama back when they went after Bork. They're reaping it right now. No sympathy.
2: This this is... (laughs) Wow. Wow. Ask your question. This
0: this is is, is sort of a tale of two votes. One... Does he vote to 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 you know? Does he go along with the filibuster and then does he does he vote for Gorsuch?
2: You know, I think that I think that Senator Donnelly is going to take each vote that is put in front of him uh, and do what he always does. He's going to he's going to reflect the the people that sent him there and he's going to make a decision that uh, that is the right one. And he's probably not going to go back to the. the the bork uh, days and and consider all that before he he decides i imagine that he's going to be pretty measured and tempered in his in his approach and who owes who um pretty difficult to to think about this in those terms but if we were uh you know it's it's easy to understand other democrats still uh still hanging around with uh, the merrick garland nomination um, it was mishandled. There's no question it was mishandled. Uh, the Democrats that allegedly started it by uh, by my partner across the way there, um, I wonder how many of those guys are even still in the body. Probably not many, but there probably are a few. Can I mean, talk about Clarence Thomas, do the research. if you like. Yes, yeah. Well, we could talk about all of them. It's, it's an it's a old country now. I mean, a lot the of Republicans things Republicans didn't do that to the uh, four
3: Democrat nominees of the last administration. So. Well, I,
2: you know, I had a conversation about this today, and we talk about whether or not a, a president should be able to uh, nominate in the last year of his term-limited term. Limited term. And, and right now, as things are going in Washington, maybe we should be asking about whether or not there should be nominations in the first year of a troubled term. So, uh, so th- there's a lot to discuss there. Politically speaking, is it better for Donnelly to vote for or against Gorsuch?
4: Good question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had I had been thinking about this in a completely different way, and I hope that I can get to that. But to answer your question, I think that it will be difficult for him to vote uh, against giving Merrick Garland a, 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 a straight vote. Or Gorsuch. Uh, Gorsuch. I'm sorry, Gorsuch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I told you I was thinking about the other. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, I think um, it'll be difficult for him to vote against Gorsuch. Um, but I'm sure the temptation for him to do that for the reasons that have been articulated earlier um, will be strong. Um, the thing that I've been thinking about a lot in this is that, yes, we've had the politicization of the uh, Supreme Court Uh, for many years um, through the usual proper channels Uh, but the impact of money the citizens united effect where it's been multiplied by these millions and millions of dollars in a campaign that started immediately after the election yeah, right. and has only been growing in crescendo is what I really, bother, really bothers me because uh, I think that the Supreme Court uh, and the judicial system is far too important in our overall structure of government to be
1: sullied by this kind of a politicking. Can I have the same question? It was yeah. a good question. Um, I think that you're right. The, the politically expedient thing to do and the wise thing in terms of a political calculation would probably to be vote for uh, Gorsuch. And I would say that because, and this would not be a new uh, approach, certainly for Joe Donnelly. He has positioned himself, whether it's intentionally or just the way the issues have, have sort of broken out, as more of the maverick, that he is isn't wasn't always siding with the Obama administration and, and he's not always going to side with, with Chuck Schumer and others in leadership. You know, he's a Second Amendment rights advocate. I mean, it's part of that, that appeal uh, that is a, he's a, a, centrist. He, he's a centrist that I think uh, is a value. Certainly self-described. Right. Centrist. And the other thing that and now if this were if he were a year into his term, and he was worried about, uh, you know, future uh, dem- the Democratic uh, Senate campaign, senatorial right. uh, campaign committee filling his coffers over the next five years before the next election, if that were the case, then maybe he'd go along with the caucus. But when you're looking at an election yeah. that promises to be a hard fought election. I think the, the, the smart calculation would be to vote for the nomination.
2: Trump nominated uh, a good judge. I mean, this was this was probably the best move he's made in the 65 days or so that he's been in office. And so that makes it a lot easier on Senator Donnelly. There were a lot of people he could have put up there that would have made this discussion a whole lot different.
3: But are progressives willing to put up with someone who's going to vote for him? Because there's a lot of people on the on the progressive side of the Indiana Democrat Party who say, look, it's our time now. We've done the other way. We've lost some governor races. Hey, we need someone who's going to stand up for the progressive agenda. So Where I just don't are they think we go, can. I mean, well, yeah, I understand not, that, but that doesn't mean they're not way. loud
1: or yeah. have power. And I don't think he'll be alone. If he does what we just talked about, Joe Manchin, I think, and others might join him in that uh, regard.
0: Yeah. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question should Senator Joe Donnelly vote for President Trump's Supreme Court nominee? A yes or B no. Last week's question, should legislative staffers be allowed to bring guns into the state house? 18% said yes, and 82% said no. If you would like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org and look for the poll. Speaking of Joe Donnelly, he faced a mostly supportive crowd in Muncie this week in his first town hall since the new year. Donnelly addressed a number of issues at the forum. He expressed dislike for the GOP's health care bill and pledged to work to stop cuts contained in President Trump's budget proposal to social programs, the arts, and scientific research. There was only one round of boos, and it was for a citizen who demanded Donnelly do his duty and commit to voting for Neil Gorsuch's confirmation. In response, Donnelly said his duty was to evaluate Gorsuch's answers to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Republican Senator Todd Young came up at the town hall as one citizen asked Donnelly to urge Young to hold his own town hall. John Schwannis, there's been lots of attention on the animosity at some town halls around the country recently. Given the location here in
1: Indiana, though, are you surprised at how this went for Joe Donnelly? Uh, Yes and no. First, I'll say he deserves credit for actually, I think, having the first... Uh, forum that since the inauguration, that any member of the delegation has had. Is that Larry Bouchon has done
0: uh, 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 a town hall with other local lawmakers? So I
1: think Larry Bouchon gets credit. I think Jim Banks has held some too. Okay. Well, then he's not the first. But big forum could have, you know, if it, uh, it had the potential, if you look at what's happened around the country, for it to uh, go off the rails. But I think where, what he benefited from is just this is human nature. Remember where the anger is right now. The people who were supportive of the Trump administration and, and the Republicans who in large part were elected to Congress, they were the victors. Right. So the people, and anytime time you, you see this at the, at the ballot box, the people who are more likely to go out and <clears throat> vote for a levy request or some kind of question on the ballot are those who are adamantly opposed to something. Right. So that's just, I think, proven time again. That's the way humans function. So the people largely who were there were not, in- I mean, they're not, they They're not the angry same, at Joe Donnelly. They are on the same team, so to speak. Right. So uh, uh, I think it's, it's maybe something as simple as just human nature.
0: Given the re-election uh, bid next year, do you think we'll see more of this from Joe Donnelly? Is it important to see more of this from Joe Donnelly?
4: Yes and yes. Um, I think it is important, and I know that it's difficult for a public official to stand up and say, you know, okay, have at me, you know, and, and we'll go about this uh, however it may we go, because we've seen lots of examples. Uh, but, you know, this was a good first effort, a good, you know, out of the box uh, response for um, uh, the senator. Uh, he does deserve credit for it, and I think he'll do more.
0: I mentioned that Todd Young came up uh, at this one because someone in the audience said, hey, Todd Young's got to have one of these, uh, too. Right. Is it going to look wor- Is it going to start to look bad for Todd Young if, now that Donnelly's done one, is, is the onus on Young to do one of his own?
2: Well, I, I hope the trend is that it looks bad on anyone who's not willing to go out and spend some time with their constituents. You know, th- this is part of the job. And, uh, you know, the trend and the anger and the, and the theatrics and demonstrations and all that, that, that's part of the job. You know, when you get elected... Um, in in you know, advanced society, there are plenty of people that are going to show up and take an opposing view and they're going to take an opposing tact. And uh, you know, I've, I've had to host meetings in front of angry crowds before, and it's not easy. But when you're prepared for it and you know that those are the people that you serve, whether they voted for you or not, uh, you can handle it. Um, And I think that people just need to, when I say people, I mean people that are elected to any public office. If they're not willing to go out and face their voters and and let them uh, have their day with the the people that uh, they've chosen to serve, um, then the people who've chosen to serve have chosen the wrong job. With Donnelly doing town hall, is the pressure now on Todd Young?
3: No. Todd Young will do plenty of town halls. The problem with town halls is that people are rude. And I'm in favor of all the town halls that you can have. And whether it's hey, activists tough man. Well, when it's activists screaming at Barack Obama when he's trying to give a speech or an elected official who's trying to have an actual dialogue. And where it's happening is in Republican town halls across the country because left wing money is having professional protesters and disruptors. Notice that didn't happen at Donnelly's. Why? Because Republicans are polite.
4: <laughs>
2: well, it's some, it's, of, some of the greatest did you opportunities. Get all that, did you get all that? Greatest <laughs> political opportunities. <laughs> Barack Obama too. was great at dealing he with the water. angry person. and, and That's barely, a great opportunity. And he agrees with you. Yeah, and, yeah. And,
1: and one thing, Joe Donnelly, <laughs> what he, nice? capital, he capitalized. <laughs> Hill agrees with you. He capitalized on this by striking, I think, the right tone. He came out in his introductory remarks and said, hey, I'm the hired help. Because I think right. what you're seeing with a lot of people right now who sh- are showing up, whether they're, it's orchestrated or paid or actors or not, somebody is... Is angry because harder. they feel that nobody's listening to them. So to come in and say I'm the hired help, I am appearing in front of you. I think is is a is a very uh, a tone that resonates probably. But with for the two
3: seconds, regardless of party, regardless of the candidate or the elected official, town halls are for a free exchange of ideas and for you to say your piece. And when people yell and scream and walk out and their fights and their disruptors, that ruins it for everybody.
0: Well, we're uh, on a theme today. So speaking of Joe Donnelly, once again. Republican Congressman Luke Messer made more moves this week that point to a Senate bid. Messer announced the formation of his statewide campaign finance committee. The list is led by Greg Pence, who will chair the committee. Greg is a Columbus-area businessman and the brother of Vice President Mike Pence. Other members of the committee include several notable business and political leaders, including quite a few who've played major roles in past statewide campaigns, for Mitch Daniels and Eric Holcomb. The Indiana Democratic Party this week sent out a campaign message of its own, urging support for Donnelly's reelection bid. That fundraising email was sent around former gubernatorial candidate John Gregg. John Katzenberger, I'll start with Luke Messer. Greg Pence um, doesn't have a lot of political experience here. Is having that last name good enough? Well, his brother is
4: the President of the Senate, so you know that probably doesn't hurt uh, but I do think that uh, you know it's it's an auspicious group um, it's mostly the usual suspects um, he's he's getting out in front of it you got to you know give him credit for being prepared and ready to go and it looks like his candidacy will uh, be among whatever else we have there, but I think he's setting himself up for you know in a, in a good fashion
0: uh- on Messer, um, about it was about this time in the cycle last time that uh, we saw Eric Holcomb start to run for Senate. Uh, we saw uh, uh, Marlon Stutzman not long after that, and Todd Young not long a- or a little later after that. Is Messer got to start actually making the move now?
1: Uh- well, since Donald Trump already had his his first two rallies for the next presidential election, we the cliche of course is that there's never downtime, and that seems to be more truer now more than ever. But the reason that's important to start this particular race earlier than later, or at least put out the names of the forty-seven people, highly regarded, highly visible uh people on your committee is familiar. to scare off familiar, is <laughs> yes. to scare off uh all other comers to the extent you can. So it's uh you're automatically in a better... And he has done some fundraising, too. So he, uh, if you look at some of the other people, Todd Rokita or others who might enter the fray, uh, he had more money in the bank. So this gives a little bit of a head start or an opportunity to play catch-up, but also maybe to show that, hey, if I've got Pence on here and I've got... Uh, everybody else. He probably looked for a guy named Fred Trump from Centerville or something and couldn't find him, but but, uh, maybe that's to come. But I mean, if you can scare away the uh, opposition, that's your goal at this point in the race. So I want to switch to to, uh, the the Indiana Democratic Party
0: starting to to fundraise for Joe Donnelly specifically now. And the first uh, blast was um, on behalf of John Gregg asking for money for Joe Donnelly. John Gregg, obviously a notable name in the Democratic Party, but he's now a two-time loser of the governor's race is he the best name to be putting out there if you're the democrats well
3: it wouldn't cause me to give money uh and so the, <laughs> i think the, they
0: weren't really counting on you, they Robert. were well
3: you know the I'm messer list is obviously Robert. very august because about half of them sat in this chair that's right there were lots of people on there you haven't seen a more impressive list i think really since daniels mitch daniels ran in 2004 and it is one of those things that makes people gives them a second thought very quickly other than Pence's older brother, Marty Ope's, is the name on that list. He is right. a phenomenal fundraiser, one of the top two or three from either party in this country right now. Him being on there and being active is a huge difference. As far he as the, for Mike Pence, that's right. It was my boss. There's about five of my former bosses on that list. <laughs> but regarding <clears throat> the Democrats and Donnelly, high profile race means high dollar race, and I completely understand where they're coming from to try to raise money as soon as possible.
2: But is John Gregg the name to be to be starting with? Uh, he, he did some fantastic fundraising last year. He he ran a good campaign. The people have good feelings about John Gregg on the Democrat side. The source of the money, uh, the start money for uh, Donnelly's campaign is going to come from that group. And, and John Gregg, who's a former Speaker of the House, will always have that. Um, he's got a resume. He's well-liked. So that's that's no problem. I mean, and who, and she, Luke who, Messer who she has got? A, well, that's the same. Who, the who else you got? The other, the other thing is, is, is that right now, Joe so. Donnelly is the name. Yeah. I mean, Joe Donnelly's the name. It's not about Greg Pence. I mean, I, it's great to have that roster of people we, talk, we were talking about this morning, but Luke Messer's going to have to run for Luke Messer, and Joe Donnelly yeah. is the guy he's going to have to beat, and it's going to be tough. Uh,
0: and a Twitter account popped up this week urging State Senator Mike Delph to run for the U.S. Senate. The account, Draft Delf for Senate, frames Joe Donnelly's re-election bid as a certainty unless Republicans turn out their base and follow the Trump mold. For instance, one post says you can't drain the swamp by electing a snake that's already in the swamp. And whoever runs the account posits that State Senator Mike Delf is the only man for the job. Delf has received attention over the years for his efforts to enact significant immigration and ethics reform. He's also gotten into hot water for Twitter rants and revealing information from within the Senate GOP caucus. Delf has flirted with running for federal office before without pulling the trigger. Mike Leppert, could a Delf
2: Senate bid be forthcoming? Boy, I hope so. I really do. Uh, You know, I talk about this, uh, uh, Senator Delph and I are buddies and have been for a long time. And I don't know if it if it's tougher for my friends to hear that or tougher for his friends (laughs) to hear that. But, uh, uh, you know, I wanted to see him run before Um, he is a good state senator. And, there, and he is a good public servant and and perfectly appropriate for him to be throwing his hat into the ring.
0: This uh, this Twitter account uh, posits that you need someone,
2: because of Joe
0: Donnelly sort of in
2: the middle, you
0: need someone from the sort of Trump wing a little bit, and they think Mike Delf is that guy. Do you think you need someone like that to beat a Joe Donnelly in this state?
3: Well, there's only so much room, right, on the Trump wing of the party. Now, my personal opinion is Luke Messer is the principled Hoosier conservative to take that spot. But I couldn't agree more with Mr. Leppard. I mean, Mike Delph is a terrific guy, a patriot, great father, great family man, and he certainly has the right to run.
0: Whether he does or not, we'll see.
1: When his 47-name list comes out, I think two guys right here are going to be on it, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Indiana House Democrats this week offered an amendment to require the state to divest any pension interests in Russian companies, led to a fight on the House floor in which one Democrat accused Republicans of supporting a murderous dictator. Robert Fain, was this a sincere effort by the Democrats, or was this just a political stunt?
3: It was a sincere political stunt. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's
3: exactly what it was. And unfortunately, it's about all they got these days. And my last comment, best of luck and best health to Connie Shella, who had a significant surgery this week, so best of luck and Godspeed to her and Jim.
1: We get to be unanimous on something. Uh, that's right. Yeah, Best of can... luck
0: to Connie is definitely unanimous from very this much, panel. Very much. Well, that's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Mike Leppard, Republican Robert Vane, John Schwanis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity. I'm Brandon Smith of Indiana Public Broadcasting. Join us next time, because a lot can happen in an Indiana
2: week.
1: Ice Miller is proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.